He cut through me because I bled more than I earned. If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneurs across Africa. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Charles Okebuino is the founder and CEO of IRMP, a world-class workplace development program that teaches unique methods on how to manage and resolve conflicts that arise from interpersonal misunderstandings in the workplace. He helps train uh, professionals and business managers on how to facilitate um, interactions between their employees, their clients, and themselves so that they can create a more harmonious work environment. Charles is also known as the Workplace Transformer. He's a trained lawyer, a speaker, a teacher, a facilitator, a preacher, and husband and father. So he's come to tell us about his startup. And I met Charles, as a brief side note, I met Charles sometime last year in 2015. He had just been nominated as one of the recipients of the Tony Elumelu um, Grant for Entrepreneurship in Africa. And so it was quite unusual for me to hear about a startup being awarded that grant, especially being that the startup is not doing tech, agriculture, or any of the other things that you would normally hear a startup being awarded a grant for. So it was unusual to have a startup being granted an award for soft skills training and um, that sort of endeavor. So I wanted to know more about what Charles was doing and why he got that award. So, Charles, welcome to the show. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Oh, thanks, Shibuza. Um I'm glad this is happening. Uh, it's been a long way coming. Myself, my background, I'm Charles. I am married, and I also have a son, and that's the primary background for me, over and above the public background which relates to my professional life. I am a graduate from the University of Benin. I studied law. I went on to the law school. I run uh, an LLM program in international dispute resolution. I'm an internationally accredited mediator and I'm a certified negotiator as well. I have um, a certificate in entrepreneurial management and um, I consider myself a peace advocate. I am from Delta State, Nigeria, West Africa, mm. proudly African. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So, before we get started about your business and your entrepreneurial journey, can you tell us a little bit about um, what got you started along the path to entrepreneurship? Did you have any businesses as a student or after graduation? Why did you deviate from the legal field if you deviated from the legal field to start and run your own company? Okay, I'll answer that by saying that I didn't deviate from the legal field. I recreated the value which I could add in that space. Back in the university, I started out from my second year in the university when I decided that um, there wasn't need to keep going back home for money and support if I could use the abilities that I had to create um, some measure of wealth for to support my academic um, career as, as it were so I had a computer 
So with that computer, I typed um, projects, thesis, stem papers for students for some value. Mm. And then I used it. Then afterwards, I had a small shop on the campus. So um, it metamorphosed to writing my first book and the law of thoughts. I just put my compiled my notes. Um, I love research, so I compiled my notes, the cases, put them together, and then sold my computer, which was my mainstay in my final year to publish that book. So um, that's where my entrepreneurial journey began, because I was able to fend for myself from typing projects. Uh-huh. And then in my final year, by selling the books which sold in five universities, The Law of Thoughts, a brief of briefs. The Law of Thoughts, so that's a legal book, right? That's a legal book okay. um, that helps students to simplify the cases that have been given to them in simple language, but yet legal language, bringing out the, the relevant things they need to know to enable them pass their exams in The Law of Thoughts. Okay. So it could be used for students and then lecturers who just want to brief their cases in class. Um, so that's really where my journey began. So after I left the university and, and when I was done with the law school, I had a niche area that was of con- concern and interest to me, which was alternative dispute resolution. Okay. I'd attended a few seminars and courses in that area. So that was what I wanted to do. But I didn't find any firm at that time that was basically focused on that area. So it meant that I had to venture on my own since um, I couldn't find any firm I could attach myself to. So how did you eventually get into the firm doing ADR? I created one. I incorporated one. Okay. I incorporated one and then I took a course in mediation. And uh, in 2010, I was accredited as an internationally uh, accredited mediator. So by reason of that qualification, I began to associate myself with bodies that were mediating. For example, the Lagos Multidoc Courthouse. Mm-hmm. I registered there as a neutral and I served as a co-mediator on a number of mediations during their settlement week. Mm-hmm. And so from thence, I began to develop my interest in alternative dispute resolution. Mm-hmm. So that that's odd that there were actually no law firms that specialized in that or no training programs. So you traveled abroad to get I more training? Incidentally, I was lucky. I didn't have to travel abroad. Okay. I only found out that the there was a faculty that flew in from Europe to train people in Nigeria in mediation. So there were two bodies that were doing that in Nigeria, the Center for Effective Dispute Resolution in the United Kingdom and Dispute Resolution Center of the Bond University in Australia. And their liaison in Nigeria was a negotiation and conflict management group, which was called the NCMG College. So I just enrolled in the NCMG College and then applied to be part of the, 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 the program. And that's how I obtained accreditation. Okay, okay. So you get your accreditation, then what happens? So how did that transition into IRP? IRMP, yeah. Um, how did this transition? The IRMP was born out of my frustrations in not being able to contribute as much as I should have wanted in mediation. Okay. 
I, what were some of the biggest frustrations right now? The biggest frustrations were convincing organizations to toe that part. I tried to convince organizations that they could reduce the profile of their cases in court through mediation. I told them that the amount of money they spent and the time especially they spent could be halved if they considered mediation. But they asked me, what about the lawyers who were already on that case? And I told them the lawyers need not leave the case. They only need to apply in court for an adjournment to explore settlement. And when they do that, they would be in the mediation process. They will caucus them. In the mediation, there's a point where you have the caucus. The caucus is when you separate the parties and you discuss with the parties separately. So you can even caucus the lawyers and caucus the parties and then arrive at a settlement. So the only thing that happens is that instead of spending 15 years in court, you can spend five days in the mediation. So, um, but my desire to drive that was meeting a brick wall. Not the organizations I talked to were not convinced or they didn't see it looked too simple to be true. And so, um, over time, I wasn't getting sufficient um, opportunity to ventilate uh, mediation practice even with the multi-door courthouse, as it were. So, I sat back and I thought again, identification, resolution, management, prevention of workplace conflict. That came in as a bathroom inspiration in the course of my uh, sojourn. And I came out dripping with water and I wrote the words, identification, resolution, management, prevention. And that came to IRMP, of workplace conflict. So I said to myself, this could be a solution that can even prevent them from getting to court in the first place. Mm. So instead of mediating out of court, I can stop you from getting to court. If I resolve the tripartite conflict that is in every organization that often leads to court, conflict between staff, conflict between staff and management, or conflict between customers and the business, then I can stop or reduce the exposure of an organization to litigation. Because here I'm going to teach or train about how to identify workplace conflict, how to resolve them on time, how to manage the ones that cannot be resolved, and how to prevent it in the first place. So that's how IRMP was born. So, you got the bathroom inspiration for that. <laughs> <laughs> you incorporated, and then, what were the first steps you took to, like, you know, getting clients to, like, hire you to train them on how to do a conflict resolution and mediation? How did you land some of those, your first clients for your business? Advocacy. The SUYA system. What's the Suya system? The Suya system. Taste it. Okay. If you like it, you buy it. So I started with TG500. It was a target to train 500 members of staff in any organization, in any business for free. So I sent out these flyers and emails. Just call us to talk to you people and you don't have to pay. A one-hour intervention, a one-hour seminar, a one-hour masterclass, as it were. 
So I kept going from company to company, organization to organization, until I got my first client, who was in one other an organization. We're going to train. They said, "Oh, we're quite few. We'd love to have other people join us." Okay. And so they came in and they joined in. And after the presentation, they thought this was something they would need in the course of their um, capacity building for their um, staff at the, for team bonding, breakout sessions, strategy. This was a core part. So um, they invited us over for a full day experience. And um, that's where the story began. Okay. So you got it just basically by hustling, trying to get your message out there. Yes, by giving the free lunch. And out of the people you gave the free lunch to, how many people came back and bought again for the second time? Or like, was it after the free lunch, people started referring you? and the Yes, the referrals, referrals really. So um, sometimes it wasn't the same people that, that got the free lunch that bought. Uh-huh. It was... Um, a progression from referrals. You need this thing in your organization. You need this thing in your company. You know, um, we're still waiting for the phone to ring. We're still waiting for the people to who have benefited from it to also um, um, sign up for it. So it's still the the journey is still at its embryonic stage. Okay. So if we're even going to say that there is the zygot, the embryo and the fetus, hmm. I would say we're still at the zygote stage. Okay. So the embryonic word will be just literal by way of the English expression that you don't say we're at the zygotic stage. Okay. Otherwise, we're still at the zygotic stage where we still need um, to create more awareness because there are people who heard us and they say, we've never heard this before. We're not talking customer service. We're not talking ombudsman or complaint desk. This is RMP is a root stem and branch uh, solution. It's a lot more than those other two which exist already. Okay. Now, why is conflict such a critical issue to deal with in every organization? Conflict is a critical issue to deal with in every organization because there's a lot at stake. So, if you find any organization where there's nothing at, where there is no conflict, then there's nothing at stake. What are the four things that are at stake? Innovation, competition, expansion, and distinction. Those are the four things that are at stake in every organization. They want to innovate. Some people want, don't want to change. They, want to, they think they are succeeding. Why do we change a winning team? Mm. They want to expand. Some people say we are big enough. Don't let's lose it. They want to compete. Some people say we are just doing well. We don't need to get to that point where the other company is at. Or the other organization. Or even the other church. Or even the other group. So when there's no conflict, then there's nothing at stake. So because there's so much at stake in every group, family, organization, or company, or business, there's bound to be conflict. For example, the expectation of a customer. I came in here and I asked you, how much would it cost me to take a loan? And you said 5,000 naira. And then 1% interest. Then I get charged 2%. And you say, oh no, that's service charge. So you didn't tell me that service charge. He said, oh no, those are the, you know, CBN. But you didn't tell me the CBN service charge. That's a conflict. The interest there is, 
He wants to maximize the loan for profit. You want to maximize the service for profit. So that's why there's conflict, if I answered your question correctly. Mm. Okay. And now, conflict specifically in the workplace, you mentioned earlier that it deals with three parties. Yes. Um, conflict between employees employees yes. between the clients and also between employees and their bosses. Yes. Could you explain those um, three stakeholders, how conflict interplays and how it negatively affects an organization if it's not checked or managed? Correct. That's, I'm, I'm happy you asked you ask the question that way because not every conflict is wrong. You need to disagree to agree. Hmm. Conflict is positive. But mismanaged conflict is negative and the consequences are astronomical. They could be catastrophic. Businesses have gone down the drain because of interest, infighting. So, conflict between staff. This usually arises from the area of distinction and competition. When there is favoritism in a workplace, there's going to be conflict between staff. When there is a system where you promote, where there's a system of promotion, there's going to be conflict. Some people think they did so much. Why are they not promoted? And they feel offended that they're not being recognized. That can trigger conflict. Also, you talk about personality types. That's one of the common areas of conflict between staff. How can I be interested without being intrusive? Your interest the line of your interest might be my, your, my line of intrusion. But because you're different from me, we are not able to get along. So uh, people don't know that this is a waterbed or a hotbed, sorry, for conflict. So if you, are, you like to be recognized and I like to be um, working at the background, I don't want any recognition. When you work and I judge you based on my own impressions, and I don't want to go about telling them that you did this and all of that, because I just feel you prefer to be in the background, you get offended. Because you say, I did it. Why didn't you tell them it was me? Why didn't you put my name on it? Why didn't you share? But if it was me, I wouldn't want to be mentioned. So I thought that's the same for you. Mm. Conversely, if I don't like being mentioned, and because you like to be in the spotlight, and I did something, and you went out there and mentioned my name, I get offended. And you'll be thinking, I just mentioned it because you were going to say, no, I don't like my name mentioned. Because we're different, but it's the same work. So the workplace becomes hostile instead of fertile because of the differences. Conflict between staff and managers arises because there are some managers who have challenges with relating with their staff. The responsibility of the manager is to get his staff to deliver on results, to get his team to succeed. If he's leading a team and he does not convince his team on the direction they should go, he's going to get resisted. Even when he's charismatic, he will be resisted. How does he handle the resistance? Could lead to a conflict. They would naturally not just tow his line except they are puppets. Some will resist verbally. Some will re resist him non-verbally. 
And in passing on his message, he could it's it's like walking on broken bottle. You need to be very careful when you lead people. In passing the message, he could offend them. And we have realized in the course of um, thinking through and working with IRMP that it's not what you say, it's how you say that matters. So that could lead to a conflict between managers and staff. Why did you choose this person? You're partial. You're playing the ostrich. Because he's from your area. Because you like tall people. Because both of you are, both of you happen to train from the same university. And all kinds of things could lead to conflict between staff and their managers. I didn't get paid when I should be paid. I'm not getting what I deserve. The demand and supply of workplace relationship. You're not as effective as I thought you should be. You're not delivering as much as I pay you. That could lead to conflict. Money issues, time issues. And then conflict between the business and customers. The customer has high expectation. The business has high expectation. The expectation of the customer is not the expectation of the of the client. The customer wants the best service. The business wants the best profit. There's no business that is driven by loss. They are all driven by profit. So if a customer says, replace it. I don't think the service is satisfactory. You're trying to say, we gave you exactly what we advertised. And you're saying, no, I expect more from you. There's going to be a conflict. It could also be the way you communicate with them. They could say, I was talking, there's no empathy in this business. Okay? So, a, a business in trying to gain customer loyalty and things like that, or satisfaction, which we call a mirage, by the way, um, runs into conflict. There's nothing like customer satisfaction. You could get customer loyalty, but customer satisfaction, no man can be satisfied. Men are insatiable. So if they find what you're offering better elsewhere, they'll get it better and cheaper. A more caring company, they're going to leave. So in the course of trying to satisfy the customer, there, there, there might be conflict. There are people who are easy to satisfy. There are people that are more difficult to satisfy. So all of these are the lines of um, distinction between conflict between staff, conflict between staff and customers, conflict between staff and managers. Okay. So now let's, uh, I have like follow-up questions for each step, so we'll just address it as you mentioned. So for the first one, that's conflict between um, employees, for example. Yeah. If you have people with different personality types in an organization, yes. how, does, how, do, how, do each, how does each employee kind of like figure out what the other person's personality is and how can they relate to that in such a way that any conflict that arises would be easily settled and managed without having any negative impact impact on, on the work on, on the, the business. Work. Yeah. Now so they need to know their different personality types. That's the first foundation. Everyone is not like you. Show interest without being intrusive. Find oh. out the kind of people you're working with. When whenever you're gonna play a game of tennis, you find that the players are just doing a rally. They haven't started. Okay? Mm -hmm. 
Even in the game of football, sometimes, in the first one or two minutes, they're just sizing each other. What formation? How are they doing? Okay? You don't just start playing with a team and then you all run to the goal to go and score. Okay? You're going to first try and see what kind... Of, you're going to do a background check. You're going to... Do, you're going to um, ask questions. You're going to observe. So what do we say? Use your eyes. Use your ears. Feel before you speak. In that order. So, observe their approach. Listen to what others say about them. Listen to what they are saying. One of the areas of resolving conflict, the first mantra we have in the IRMP creed is, I will try and understand before I seek to be understood. That's the way to resolve. That's the first way to manage the relationship between the two of them. I take a responsibility to understanding you. You take a responsibility to understanding me. That way there's harmony. So the burden is not on just me. Neither is it on just you. But through IRMP, we have agreed, I will try and understand before I seek to be understood. So basically the honest is on each person. Each person. Actually understand the relationship. Yes. And understand the person you're in that relationship yes. with. Put your, yes. Put yourself in the other person's shoes. Shoes before you put them in yours. Okay. Now, between managers and employees, Nigeria is a society where people are generally differential to superiors. Yes. So how can an employee have a voice if there's conflict between their manager when they already feel that they're at a powerless position starting out because they don't expect the manager or the boss or the superior to give them a voice or listen to what they have to say? And thus, therefore, they don't feel that there will be any result if they were to go in and confront them. So, they just basically let the conflict fester until either they choose to walk away or they choose to do some... Something drastic. Yeah, exactly. Now, that's why one of the reasons why I have written the book, 10 Common Mistakes Managers Make. So, IRMP has a solution for staff. It has a solution for managers. And it even has a solution for the manager's manager, so to speak. We say that the executive trainee succeeds by what he does, but the executive director succeeds by what others do. If you understand that as a manager, it means that your success is not predicated on only on your decisions, but on the decisions of the people who work under you. The inference is that in managing that, we manage the manager. The manager needs to understand that he must open, he must let his staff ventilate. I give you an illustration. Put yourself in a room that, is, that has no windows, that has windows and doors, but you lock them all up. You're going to suffocate if you don't ventilate. So let the staff open up. Let them open up. So you can get a breath of fresh ideas. But what if they feel powerless and that they cannot ventilate without having some negative... In actual fact, I'm saying that... Action. This is a... This is, against them. Yes. This is a message for the manager, not the staff. Okay, for the manager. Okay. You, the solution will be from the top. There's not much the staff can do. Mm. If I don't give you a... 
reason to trust you trust your opinion. I'm not going to talk. So I can't train a staff to talk. There's no solution to that. Mm. I train a manager to make the staff to talk. If they can trust you, they'll talk. No matter their personality type. Are you following? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the solution to that sort of challenge where people feel they are powerless is to let the man empower decentralize his power let them know that they are in charge you are an overseer so you're not a boss you're the leader you're not there because you're better than them you're there because someone has to be in front so but everything every um, every planning is only as good as the execution if you do that you will now come it will now make value the intervention that we create which says hey you need to talk because the four senses in the workplace is which is under the RMP creed is sense of ownership sense of purpose sense of belonging and team spirit that will work because you have told them explore ventilate okay hmm. but if if you are not ready to open the windows. The air can come in. That's it. Oh. So basically the manager has to take charge. The manager has to take charge of that. Okay. He has to take responsibility for staff who are looking to sabotage the company. They are sabotaging the company because they have no sense of ownership. They have no sense of belonging. They have no sense of purpose. There's no team spirit. Hmm. But there are people who look at their managers in the face and say, No, you can't afford me. I'm ready to work for you because I believe in what you're doing. That's very rare to actually find someone That's very rare, but it's yeah. possible because I've experienced it myself. Experienced staff say, you can't afford, we know there's nothing, we're running, right, right now we're running on an empty tank. But I believe more in you than in the comfort that I would have gotten. So, I'm not making it up. So what did I do to make that staff have such a commitment. Imagine, imagine the staff turning to me one day and saying to me, please don't give up. Because I believe in this thing and that's why I'm here. That brought tears to my eyes. Telling me the mind not to give up. So if you're telling the mind not to give up, it means you're far away from giving up. Yeah. They said, don't give up. I mean, this is because I believe in it. I hope you're not going to give up along the way. So that's like, you know, um, the sort of thing I'm talking about. Mm. So instead of telling the staff how to um, to be to be frightened out of talking, you should make create the op- the opportunity for them to talk because you will suffocate if you don't ventilate. Mm. Okay. So when it comes to conflict between the employees and the clients, for example, my, right. one of the biggest issues that we have in Nigeria is the customer service problem, which right. brings a lot of conflict. Right. Where Clients want something, service provider provides something or something else mm. without explaining. Mm. And then when they try to resolve the issue, they, you get like a nonchalant, I don't care attitude that you're stuck. Yes. You're basically stuck. You, yes. can either, you can't get it from anywhere else. So how how do we um, 
deal with that type of conflict, especially when it could either lead to loss of business for the firm, certainly, or bad publicity, right, for the firm, right, brand erosion. Those yeah. are things that happen. Terrible things that happen out of workplace conflict that people don't even realize, yeah. or they realize that they think, oh well, maybe we can manage it by ourselves. We don't need any formal training to manage this and sort it out. Here is it. I see an organization that um, has that says we bank on our customers. I don't think that is a balanced philosophy. I don't think it's a balanced philosophy. You don't bank on your customers. You bank on your staff. And if you bank on your staff, you bank they would you will smile to the banks. Right? Mm. Now, um why? Because you can't treat the staff like stray dogs and expect them to treat the customers like exotic breeds. Every customer has an expectation. They always want more. And it's not because of them, it's because of the nature. The, the satisfied customer is satisfied today. Tomorrow, he wants you to raise the bar. Mm. If you don't raise the bar, he's only with you because he hasn't found it better elsewhere. Hasn't found a substitute. He hasn't found a substitute that's better than you. Because I mean, who will? Who will? Who will? So th- that's why I said customer satisfaction is a mirage. So, um, how do you resolve issues with customers? The first thing they really want is empathy. A customer wants empathy. You need to understand where they are coming from. Their station in life. They need to see that you are committed to them more than you are committed to your pockets. Even though that is not and will never be true. Hmm. Never be true. If you are in business, you are in business to make profit, not loss. But you must be so committed. You must exp- You must show sufficient commitment to a customer's predicament. That they forget that you're committed to your pocket. And how to grow your pocket, so to speak. You're committed to your profits. That's what I mean by being committed to your pocket. Hmm. So customers don't see it. So each time you're telling them that um, any good you take out of here cannot be returned. They keep seeing a greedy, insensitive businessman. Each time you're telling them it's a CBN charge, they keep seeing a... They don't see CBN. They see you who took their money ETC. All the charges and everything. Mm. So you need to show empathy. You need to be able to sufficiently listen to them and identify with their problem. There are times when only I am sorry has solved conflicts that have been protracted for a long time. So don't, no one cares how much you know till they know how much you care. Instead of proving your right, intelligently express your sympathy. Don't do it in an unintelligent or in a rude way. Apology is not a sign of weakness. Apology doesn't mean you're about to lose money. Apology doesn't mean you're about to lose integrity. In fact, apology shows you value the relationship more than the conflict. So, 
Um, we have businesses where the people have seldom apologize, or when they do, they do it so nonchalantly, so recurrently that it loses the value. So there's no. You see, people treat matters not on the on 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 individual basis. One time, I had my uh, I had issues with uh, um, a service provider with an ATM that didn't pay, and all they could tell me was that it takes five or ten working days. And I said, this is the third time I'm making a withdrawal, and I'm being debited without being paid in quick succession. I have nothing. What if I had nothing? I have nothing left to survive on. Are you still going to take ten working days to to resolve it? I know that's your policy. So, so a lot of businesses come and say it's company policy. It's company policy, and they rest on that. And they rest on company policy. They make it look like it's a brick wall. I can't help you. It's impossible. It's beyond me. But the reality is that it's not beyond you, and the reality is that there's something you can do about it. So more often than not, I have seen that sometimes the customer is not made to rant, go overboard before you solve the problem. And then we realize it doesn't take 10 working days. It can take one or two working days. But at that that point, the damage is At that time, the relationship is strained. So instead instead of saying company policy, trying to explain yourself, first and foremost... When you show empathy, let your um, let be let your empathy be real. In other words, let it be solution oriented. I'm going to solve this. You can say I'm going to solve it and try your best to solve it, and you're not able to solve it. And the customer can tell you, I've seen you've done your best. Don't worry. Let's look. Let me look for other ways of managing this situation till you can resolve it. Because they can see. They fancy your emails, the calls you have made, the efforts you have made to replace maybe a bad product, everything. And they can see that genuinely you've made an effort rather than sit back on the chair and tell them what they don't want to hear. So a lot of it, communication breakdown, lack of empathy, the trainings they get, uh, just say I'm sorry. Don't just quickly say I'm sorry. Say it in a way the person understands because while you may be speaking from training, they are speaking from their pain. So what I can see thus far is that basically you're just talking about how to become or how to have better human relationships. Yes. That's that that's the essence of IRMP. Yes. How to have better human relationships yes. across the board. Across the board. Because we said that professional skills without relational skills is the 21st century workplace time bomb. Mm. We said that if you're professionally competent and relationally incompetent, then in actual fact, you are bleeding your organization white. We're saying that why professional skills get you hired, it is relational skills that determine how long you stay hired till you're fired or tired. So that's really what IRMP, that's the, the, the strength of the message. That's the strength of the value we're trying to add in the organization. Look at this. The company is folding because of a conflict, not because of the market, not because of the crashing dollar. Mm. Somebody there has got a solution to the exchange rate, but he won't talk because he's treated like a stray dog. Mm. 
And so when the company folds, you say, oh, it's harsh times. But you were sitting on the solution. You can sit on a gold mine. If you don't mind the gold, you die in penury. Yeah. As you transitioned into talking about Nigeria. Yes. Let's look at it from a government perspective. Okay. We know a lot of states and even the nation is facing a lot of financial challenges. That's right. Lots of workers in state governments and other entities are not being paid their salaries on time because they said they are... Austerity um, measures, difficulties. So, employees resort to striking, strike actions and Mm -hmm. all that type of Mm -hmm. stuff. They Mm -hmm. grind things to a halt, you know, rightfully so because a they don't have money to take care of their own family obligations and it seems the government is not doing anything to help alleviate the situation so how does like rmp framework come into play to try and help manage this type of conflict where it seems the government has a valid issue in terms of they don't have any money and the employees have a valid crisis where they are being old and not able to meet family needs, pay for food, water, shelter, school fees, things like that. So how do we solve the problem when it seems we have two very intractable problems? Okay, now, this, to solve it the IRMP way, I would say this. A lot of businesses have grown on mutual distrust between the employer and the employee. This mutual distrust can only survive as long as the business is a going concern. But the moment it gets to times like this, it reveals itself. If you've been working for 25 years and I've never owed you, and then one year I say, I can't pay. If we trust each other, you can bear the pain. Mm. But because we don't trust each other, if you're late by one month, there's fire on the mountain. I keep feeling that I'm earning less than I should. I keep feeling you're taking away my useful years and not giving me worth for my efforts. I keep feeling that you're well off on a high horse and you're telling me there's no money. How come? We're not in the same boat. But for any successful workplace to be... um, For any successful workplace to thrive, the essential workplace, there must be mutual trust Mm -hmm. between the parties. What is the essence of IRMP? The entire essence of IRMP is to build organizations to last. Organizations are not run by machines, they are run by people. Adolf Hitler says it's not the machines that work, but the brain behind the machines. Men build machines, God builds a brain. Now, in other words, you can Nigeria or can only solve this problem if they restore the eroded trust. I can't drive in a brand new car and I tell my employees that times are hard. Mm. Sell the Jeep. Or throw a lavish party and then... Throw a lavish party tell you, sell the Jeep. You just bought a Jeep. It doesn't matter if you bought it on credit. Sell it and pay your salaries. If we're on this... If, so they're not on the same boat. Oh. And the essential workplace should be in the same boat. Let everybody feel the Let pain. Let everybody feel the pain on the same boat. What should we do? Let us sit down and synergize ideas. So most companies are groups, not teams. Because what we say is that if what other than pay can make people stay, 
if your staff can live at the at the slightest improvement in their pay you don't have a team you have a group anybody can assemble a group hmm. but in my inference and my own definition the team will stay together in spite of the challenges that they go through because they trust one another so that is what happens in businesses people are there because they have no option let people move from working because they have no option to working because they believe this is where they should be that would help to solve the problem the conflict between the government today and the workers because by staying at home it doesn't improve their circumstance in any way mm-hmm. the only way the circumstance will improve is if they go to work if they go to work why are you going to work there are a lot of people who are working but they are not working they are giving less than they should some are giving nothing so they just come out to work without a sense of purpose without a sense of belonging without a sense uh, you know of ownership without team spirit come late live early and they want to earn at the end of the month. So on the side of the worker, you say, what are you even doing anyway? So if we are really working, then we should be working for a reward. Mm. It means that if we keep working, we will get reward. If we get reward, we can both pay each other. That's any, that, should work for, that model should work for any organization. So that's the sort of picture that the government needs to paint. As of now, the people don't trust the government. Just give me my pay. Eh? Stay on your own. Give me my pay. Whatever is what. Whether you can take me home or not, just give it to me. I've been surviving. Ask them how they've been surviving. Can they bring that their survival strategy into the organization? Many people, employers are, many employees are sabotaging their employer. They may be earning so less, but they are earning so much by sabotaging the employer. Either because they are taking implements from the company for private practice mm-hmm. outside. Either because they are cornering the business of the organization to another organization for a commission. There are so many things that employees do to the employers because of the conflict that exists between them. So if they resolve this conflict... Everyone can bring everything to the table. All hands will be on deck. Right now, there are no hands on deck. So that's why they they are striking. The government is begging them to come. They are refusing to come. The government should cut down its expenses, take out of their security votes, get everyone on board, create opportunities, innovate, show sincerity, restore trust, the governor has allowances, he's fed, he has allowances for travel, he has all those allowances. He never misses a trip because there's no allowance. All that is a given. What if you say, I'll never, I won't travel this year until all salaries are paid? Mm. What if you say, I won't earn a salary? What do you need money for anyway? You feed, you eat, you drink, all your bills are paid. I won't earn a salary. I'll use part of my salary to pay you half of your salaries. I can't pay in full. 
But let's say I use all the other expenses, my travel expenses, all the allowances. I put it together. We pay you half. Let's be paying you half or even a quarter. I won't miss mm -hmm. what you earn is 50,000 50, naira a month. From the way things are going, you can't earn it. From my own salary and from other ways we can cut down on our expenses, we can pay you 20,000 or 15,000 every month. Just keep working. Things will improve. You're not losing the balance, but it will be an arrears that will pay you once things improve. Are you telling me that the staff will not accept? They will accept a pay cut if they see how it is being paid. If they see where it is coming from. They will not accept a pay cut if they don't know it's not cutting you. So this leads us to the Tony Elumelu grant. <laughs> okay, yes. So you applied for that and you won. And basically Tony Elumelu is um, the former CEO of UBA. You, yes, he is. In Nigeria. So he started a foundation where he's trying to empower 10,000 entrepreneurs across Africa yes. to do um, entrepreneurship in terms of whatever field. As long as you have a workable, viable idea, he is willing to fund to make sure that people will start generating jobs, providing opportunities for yes. themselves, yes. for their communities. So how did you want that grant and you got some money to help expand RMP? So uh, tell me a little, tell us a little bit about that experience. And if you can, because I don't know if you are privy to the decision-making process, but could you tell us, like, what did they see in RMP? That they were like, oh wow, this is actually something that is useful and valuable, and we should fund this idea. It's a good idea, you know. We know it will make a lot of difference in the society, and it's different from, like I said, it's tech. It's not tech. Yes. It's not agriculture. agriculture it's yeah. not anything else. So just, just, just help us understand. Okay, I think that tip is a fantastic movement, empowering ten thousand entrepreneurs across fifty-four African countries with a hundred million dollars hmm. in 10 years is humongous it's an amazing thing and it's very objective the process is not doctored hmm. and the founder has no influence on the assessment or choice of any individual whatsoever he has completely uh, outsourced that to one of the most efficient um, consulting firms in the world, Accenture. And what they do is that they look at the viability of the business, the scalability, they look at the profitability, they look at the um, entire matrix that are fundamental for success. And then they take the ideas as they come, in which case you may not you don't have to show proven success if the idea is successful then eventually you will succeed mm -hmm. so i applied for that and of course there there a lot of focus on other areas like you said agriculture tech that's where the world's going soft skills very little people mm -hmm. think that there's there's so much about soft skills that should get a grant so to speak and so um how did they choose me because I'm not in, I'm not um, in the board. 
I just feel that they were convinced I had something to say. Mm. I had a solution to provide. I had an idea that could transform Africa. And so um, I was chosen, given a grant, 5,000 US dollars, you know. And where the, the, where do they want to go from here? Think about it. There are about 17.5 million working people in Nigeria. And I'm being extremely modest. We are much more. About 120 million people. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm just giving 15%. If they say the employment rate is 80, 70, whatever. So let's say, if they say unemployment is at 80% or 90%, whatever the case may be, 90% unemployment. Let me say that if we are 120 million let me say that 18% of Nigerians are employed, gainfully employed. So 17.5 million Nigerians are gainfully employed. If I, among the 17.5 million people, 17.5, 17 let's say that 7 million, 7 million have an interest in developing their conflict resolution skills in order to build the organizations to last. Let's say of this number, only 710,000 are interested in paying for the service. Let's assume that they pay 25,000 Naira per staff mm -hmm. to be trained on effective relational skills. That is 17.1 billion naira being made in the course of four to five years. So where's the money? There's money. There's money to be made. In other words, the Tony Alumelo Entrepreneurship Prize looks at the the possibility of the market. Of the market, the addressable market. Who, who who will who likes it? Who needs it? And who is willing to pay for it? And you're looking at a modest fee. And so that is how I got the Tony Alomelo Entrepreneurship Prize to push this, to drive this, hmm. to the extent that we uh, believe in the IRMP vision, building organizations to last. Okay. And since you've received that grant, um, how has that helped you grow the business over the last one year? It's been very useful. First, it's helped to cushion some immediate needs, uh, which helped to stabilize the, the business, as it were. So I have also published a book since then, The Ten Common Mistakes Managers Make. I have also begun monthly master classes to keep the conversation going, mm. focusing on managers. And then I have uh, begun the process of um, trying to expand the free pie, <laughs> as it were. Mm -hmm. Okay, so which means you still want to talk to groups of people who may not be ready to pay now, but who uh, have the potential to pay in future. Mm. So if you didn't have a grant, that would have been difficult to do. 
but because there's a grant you still have some fuel to run around with without minding the cost because you believe in the return so i think like i said that even though the english word is at, at the embryonic stage in biologically we are still at the zygote stage so the grant has helped this zygote stage to develop quite fast okay. last year we spoke to over a thousand police officers who the who happened to be listening to us who one of the commissioners assistant commissioners of police was at a fora where we were speaking at no cost as well mm. and thought this was something that the police should be interested in mm. the police should listen to something that could change their attitude to work and things like that and invited mm. us to come speak to them and over a thousand of them and we had the opportunity of addressing them on the IRMP creed and addressing the DPOs about um, 100 or 150 of them and then addressing the full the the men you know so um, IRMP keeps growing Mm -hmm. and what was the feedback the from feedback the, from was the, police? the feedback was very 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 transformational mm -hmm. they hadn't heard anything like that in their whole lives maybe very likely and they kept calling to express their gratitude and to also express their concerns about um, the implementation down the line mm -hmm. so I mean, it's one thing to hear the good one, news. It's another, it's another thing, thing to, to implement, <laughs> it. implement it. So there was there it. were concerns about implementation from one or two that you know this is something we should hear. This is something we should begin to do. One of the things I said to them, I told them, everyone's looking at the top. No one's looking at themselves. You're the inspector general of your assignment. So don't look at the IG. Look mm -hmm. at you. Make sure that your assignment that is given to you, you do it timelessly, sincerely, and carefully. I told them about it. The fact that the society doesn't trust them too. Mm -hmm. So that instead of the police being the last part of call, they should move to create the trust that will make them the first part of call. Because people think that moving, going to them only complicates the problem. problem yeah. But when they were created as a, a valve of government to solve problems, now people look at you as the problem uh, magnifiers. Yeah. So, and so we move like that from organization to organization. The grant has helped that. So that even if we should have end this much, we are ready to take a pay cut, anything they are ready to offer, mm. because there's a grant that supports you to still keep going without measuring uh, what you should have gotten. For example, if you're training for 1,000 policemen and you say, okay, based on your business plan, mm. you want to charge each 25,000, they, they wouldn't be able yeah. to afford you. And they, by not being able to afford you, they don't get to hear the message. Actually, yeah. So but when you say, no, 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 it doesn't matter at all. I can even come and talk at no cost. And say, okay, this is your transport. You can still do that. Because it's just a matter of sowing the seed. Right. And then once right. Grows, yes. So the idea is to see that where are we going? We don't just want one-offs. We want a full implementation of the IRMP program mm. so as to measure its impact over a period. And as we transition out of talking about IRMP and talk to the man behind the the startup, yes. Um, what got you excited about starting your own business? Whew. I got excited about starting because I thought I had a message that people needed to hear. 
I thought I had something to say. So I knew that there will be murky waters. So my ex it was mixed feelings. I don't know if I was overexcited. Mm. There were mixed feelings. Mixed feelings that time, if I didn't take up an employment in my youthful days and I failed, I might not be useful anymore. Mm. And then on the... That's on the flip side. On the other hand, if I succeeded, I would have been able to... Um, if I didn't abandon my idea, I could have been able to contribute and leave a legacy. Okay. So, I probably I, I was excited about the legacy and the positive difference I could make in the workplace, in businesses, in organizations, and in the nation as a whole. And um, I, I think I know the answer to this one, but I think I still have to ask. <laughs> okay. so, which entrepreneur do you admire, and um, why do you admire that person? Okay, one. You can if you have two. Fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I would I would um, I would say Tony Numelo. Mm. Um, because you put your money where your mouth is. If you're wealthy and you are prepared to create wealth among 10,000 people who you never met, who you may never meet again, and you're committing a hundred million dollars of your own money, of your own money in 10 years, not one of then you are leaving an example that definitely deserves or earns his followership. So anyone can talk about how intelligent an idea has been and it has transformed the world. Anyone can talk about how beautiful an idea has been and it has made the person who generated the idea the wealthiest man in the world but that the idea that being wealthy has been translated to the creation of more wealth is a fundamental example so his drive his passion is commendable in the sense that he has seen he's been at the top echelon as a managing director of the bank, one of the biggest banks in Nigeria, in 16 African countries as of today, and he has every reason to sit back and go all over the place giving speeches of how he succeeded at the bank, and leave it at that. Publish a book and um, wait for an appointment somewhere, be on the board, and then leave a whole lot of money for his generations to come which many successful African entrepreneurs do yeah you know okay but he has chosen to channel his, some of his resources or some of this money and towards making people to become like him if they succeed and when they succeed so that's a very sustainable way. Entrepreneurship should be sustainable. Mm. So what is IRMP? Building organizations to last. 
So if an organization would have folded up in five years, and it leads to be 500 years, IRMB has succeeded. If so that's why he inspires, he would be the inspiration. Mm -hmm. There are so many people who have done successful things, but fundamentally, he takes need because of his commitment, because of his focus, and because of the sustainability of his current interests. And you said you had another one. Well, I would. Uh, I think I should just. Uh, Even at that, yes. Right? <laughs> I think so too. That was a very good answer. All right, and um, can you talk about a significant personal failure you've experienced and how you recovered from it? Yes. <laughs> Before IRMP, I looked to organize the first international negotiation skill certificate course in Africa. Mm. And um, I plunged a lot of resources into it, thinking that an idea will sell itself. And now I realize ideas may not sell themselves as they stand. There are many things that make an idea succeed, mm. not just the idea. So I, I feel in the sense that I lost more money than I got from trying to organize that course. It was probably a break-even, a baseline, you know. And um, it cut through me because I bled more than I earned in, in, in it. Trying to preserve my integrity for people who have paid for courses and they're not able to hold the course because the number is not, um, it has not reached the threshold profitability. of profitability, especially because the faculty is international, was a challenge. Mm -hmm. Because I just thought once I say it out there, everybody will just be interested. And then I'll just sit back, take their checks, sign them into the program, hold it, hold it maybe two, three, four times in a year, expand it much more, just keep moving. Okay, so but um, it wasn't quite so. So at the end of it, there was nothing to take home. The, the only joy was that at the end of the day, it had it had it had um, the 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 course had held. People were able to go home with value. What about those who had refunded their money, who never really got the opportunity to attend the course again? I considered it a significant failure for me, and I would have wished. That that didn't happen, you know. I would have wished that, it, as I created it, it would have also succeeded at the point of implementation. So, how have I been able to come out of it? I've decided. I have realized that by myself, I do not have the network, mm -hmm. the strength of network, to drive such a big program. So, I have decided to collaborate with institutes that have big networks and say you know what you just do the whole process of marketing and sense. everything and then we do this program together it succeeds we split profits so instead of the burden of doing it by myself 
and are not a known name or a known company. So people are quick to begin to wonder if their money is lost than if it were a big organization. A big organization can say we are rolling over, we are not able, and people will still trust. But for people like us, they need much more persuasion to be able to trust. Those who have been persuaded, eventually succeeded in attending the course and coming off with great value and they still talk about it a bit. But how about those who didn't? And so on the long term, that was one pain that um, I have experienced in business. Mm -hmm. okay. And what are some of the books, tips, messages that have been inspirational to you? Hmm. Over the years. I read a book by Bill Hybels called Who You Are When No One Is Looking. Huh. That has been a very, very useful book. Uh, How to Make It Big as a Consultant by Cohen was the first book I really bought okay. uh, when I started, when I decided to strike out on my own. It cost, it cost me a lot at that time, but I thought I needed it, and it 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 been very useful. Even though I have, I didn't read it cover to cover, but it was just by reading some pages and some sections that applied to my immediate need, mm. I've been able to create value. Um, there are books. So that that's what you call just in time use. Yes, the yes, the just in time. You know, someone mm. wants something at a very critical moment, and then you're ready to provide mm. a solution at the spur of the moment by just flipping through through pages. I have also been able to draw value from some fictional writers okay. like John Grisham. Okay. Um, Why? Um, because of the creativity and the thought process, you know, that he has had. Especially because the book talks about the workplace. It talks about maybe somebody who's working in a firm and then he realizes the firm on the outside looks like a perfect firm, but on the inside there's some underlying things that are not quite the same. He wants to live and he's trapped, you know, yeah. so, and, you know, and he's on the run. So a lot of things that go on, conflicts that arise and how they eventually get resolved or how they get managed, the... So those books become very, very relevant, very crucial, very important. And uh, above all, the Bible has been very useful to me. I have been able to identify with the Bible as a resource book for life. And so it has helped me to also tailor my actions and tailor my reactions. It has helped me to also develop content. By way of thinking through the characters in the Bible, I can then see why it is the most uh, sold book year in, year out, <laughs> all-time bestseller for years. And you yourself are an author of several books, correct? Yes, I am. So, what's your, what's your most recent book about? Well, my most recent book, what's the most recent Okay, why not say my most recent books? Because books, huh? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, read um, four books of late uh, in this order. Okay. Foundation, Redemption, Ten Common Mistakes Managers Make, Increase, Beautiful Ashes, 
uh, and some messages of David. So five books, most recent. Mm-hmm. Now I like, I love to talk about the ten common mistakes managers make, which was born out of the way I think workplaces should be, how the responsibility shifts from the staff mm-hmm. to the manager, and how that manager has much more responsibility on the success of the organization yet will only be able to achieve it through the staff. So remember what I said in the course of the interview, the executive trainee succeeds by what he does, mm-hmm. but the executive director succeeds by what others do. So how to avoid them? These 10 common mistakes solves the problem. The 10 common mistakes solves is prophylactic and reactive. It tells you what not to do and tells you what to do when things go wrong. And how to use this ten, the 10 common mistakes they make that cause conflict in the business, that could ruin the business. And so if they apply it also, it can be a book for conflict resolution. Oh, okay. Okay. And uh, where can people purchase your book? The book is online uh, on the I Am Dynamite bookstore. Okay. And then we also hope that we can put it on Amazon soon. And... Um, if we're able to get it on Amazon afterwards, it could be found in other bookshops across um, Nigeria for now. Mm-hmm. But on Amazon, of course, you can buy it from anywhere yeah. in the world. So um, for now, it's on the um, I Am Dynamite bookstore, which is an online bookstore. Mm-hmm. So you can just search that on Google uh, and you can purchase it. on Amazon. I think all you need is the soft copy. Okay. To upload to Amazon and then from there using I want to say it's their creative space or create space okay people can actually order and it's be printed on demand so okay so not necessarily having to ship your physical books okay to America and then they have it in their warehouse but I think I, I forget the name I can look and check for you but oh, I, that I believe it's create space so basically they just order and it gets printed hmm. and shipped on demand so that's another way of getting it on there without having to physically send all the books right away. Yeah. But so the e-copy, the e-book, you can get that up and running maybe two days. Mm, yeah. Wow. So it's very quick to... Okay. To well, I already have that on the ground. So yeah. those listening will know that it will be up on Amazon in another 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. You know, and um, there's one coming the IRMP way. Mm. So that will be hopefully for a couple of months. Okay. So that will also be uploaded. So, as a final question, um, what would you advise recent graduates that are thinking of launching their own new business and enterprise, or people that are just coming out of school, they see that the job market is really tight and they're kind of losing hope in terms of being able to maximize their own potentials and start earning income for themselves or their families. Okay, I wish that people would realize that not everyone is caught up for entrepreneurship. Mm. So that it takes a lot of patience and determination. <coughs> but some people are more patient in looking for a job than will be patient in starting a business mm. for it to become profitable. So you look at the kind of interest that you have and see. You can also be partially entrepreneurial and partially employed. By that I mean if you 
are not entrep fully entrepreneurial. You could get a job, or you could get it. You can do some business while you look for a job, and then when you get the job, you manage both. Or if you're in a job you don't like, you can try and do some business on the sides. What is sufficient to say in this context is that entrepreneurship requires courage. It's not for the faint of heart. Mm -hmm. they were, there was a season when I had all the ideas, but I had no funding. And if you, if you recall that I read law, you know that I must have put my family and my friends and associates through a lot to get out mm -hmm. as a lawyer. Going back to them to ask for support, uh, it's a tough sell. Because they say, why not use what you have done to mm -hmm. create, well, you're already, you're already a lawyer. Mm -hmm. There are many people who have legal needs, so why not do them? So what that meant was that I was favored to get seed capital for the two businesses I have ever um, been involved with. I got seed capital for both. So, grants, that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. And not, the, you mean, so it's not family and friends, which I said have already been stretched by your qualification. Even though I did business on campus, but of course, it, it can only manage your day-to-day, -day, not any major expense like paying for your law school fees at that time when they charge us so much and yeah. everything. You would always need that support from family, associates, and friends. So you need courage, you need patience. So I had all the ideas, but I had no funding. But I needed, I still tolerated my deficiency or tolerated my circumstance. So you need to have um, a very, very, uh, your span for your tolerance, your threshold must be long. Think long haul, think long term. There are times when I tried everything and nothing worked and still kept trying. Mm -hmm. Still believe that you have something. Look back at the thought. Recreate it. That's the second thing I want to say. Your idea is very good, but I want you to know that you can recreate it. Mm -hmm. You still have the substance of the idea, but you have recreated it in a way that it has value. Mm -hmm. I discovered that whenever I talked about conflict, people cringed. I don't have conflict. No, 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 no. They think of it, they, they look at it as very caustic. So we have, we, 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 we have three words that are the mantra for IRMP. You won't see um, resolving conflicts all the time. You would see relate, res, you will see relate, resolve, evolve. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we try to downplay or yeah, recreation also means we're putting IRMP under guidance and sport legal consulting. And we discovered we needed to separate both businesses. Separate my legal business from the IMP company. Because whenever I go saw legal, they thought it was for lawyers. Well, okay. But you can see from our conversation today that it has nothing to do with lawyers. Mm -hmm. So it was a barrier we needed to break. So we have to have two barriers. Instead of breaking the barrier of making business, you're still breaking the barrier of your impression mm -hmm. that you create. So we recreated, we kept IMP out, we kept guidance for legal consulting completely out of. IRMP mm. consulting, okay. So they don't mix. You don't need to see it. So people can just look. So I don't overemphasize my being a lawyer. Yeah. It's just a background, so that people don't say it is for, for lawyers. lawyers. Yeah. It's not for lawyers. Relating better in the office, you could be a doctor. So we teach you your work without or teaching you your work. You could be a policeman. You could be a soldier. 
So IRP teaches you your how to work without teaching you your work. So um, that's what I would tell the entrepreneurs. Don't be easily discouraged. You're going to meet people who will tell you your idea is worthless. Face to face. They're going to tell you that. Keep believing in yourself till you find someone who believes in you. And that hopefully is your customer. Great. And with that said, we've reached the end of the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Charles. Um, <laughs> me too. Learning a lot, sharing your words of wisdom and your advice. And obviously, we wish you much continued success. Thank you. And we look forward to hearing more about the RMP story. Obviously, once this podcast becomes a major media company, I'll probably have to hire you. So that I'll make sure I'm not pissing off my employees. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right. So, thanks for listening, guys. As always, you can reach Charles. Where can we reach you, Charles? You can reach me on Twitter, yeah. Workplace Transformer, without space. Okay. You will find the Twitter handle, Workplace Transformer, Okibuno11. Uh, you, can me- you can reach me on email, by email rather, yeah. charlesok2000 at yahoo.com. Okay. Uh, so, you can reach me on BBM. You can add me on BBM. Ask me questions. Uh, my BBM ID is three three five ADB zero three three five ADB zero B three three five ADB zero B. There you have me. That's my PIN. Okay. Um, you can call me. Oh eight oh three eight two six eight six four nine. Outside Nigeria, don't forget to add the code plus two three four. Any one of these platforms. I'm active okay. on them, and um, we can get the conversation going. Great. You can find me on LinkedIn as well with the same email that I gave you. Oh. All right, so thanks for listening, guys, and thank you, Charles. <laughs> thank you for having so, me. So till next time, take care. God bless. Cheers. Bye. Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. Visit Ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources, and we'll see you next time on Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.